This is Gil Manser welcoming you to a special One Year Since the Firestorm broadcast on word-by-word conversations with the writers on Northern California Public Media, KRCB-FM. It is just over a year since the night of Sunday, October 9th, when nearly 111,000 acres of the Napa-Sonoma wine country were incinerated by unstoppable flames. We are marking this occasion by reprising the After the Fires Are Out show, originally broadcast November 12, 2017. We have added a new ending to today's show by providing updates on how our word-by-word writers are today. But let us go back to that burning, wind-whipped October night a year ago. Starting in the Napa County city of Calistoga, once-in-150-year winds drove the fire over the forested mountains and into densely populated areas of the Sonoma County city of Santa Rosa. First responders immediately went into evacuation mode, choosing to save people instead of buildings. And by the time the fires were finally contained, 42 people died, while 8,400 structures, including nearly 6,000 homes, were nothing but smoking piles of ashy debris with sentinel-like fireplaces, melted hulks of cars, and evocative arrangements of metal patio furniture and swing sets. Former word-by-word guests have been impacted in many ways. Safe in Petaluma, novelist, former 911 dispatcher, and last month's word-by-word guest, Tony Hevron, used her blog and Facebook posts and her many contacts in the law enforcement community to let people accurately know what was going on. Those of us fortunate enough opened our homes to over 100,000 people evacuated from the fire's path. Bedrooms and living rooms were filled, meals were made and served, and housing and donation centers were established as neighbors helped neighbors. As you have heard many times on this broadcast, writers are a quirky bunch. So when tragedy hits, we need to write about it. The psychological educator in me knows creativity is a coping mechanism and is is a very powerful one. Several of my previous word-by-word guests lost homes and businesses in the fire, and one of these, award-winning novelist and Sonoma State University fiction writing professor, Stephen Kaisby, his wife, Sanez, Sanas. Sanas. Okay, his wife Sanas and their dog Kurt escaped from the flames with just minutes to spare. His response was to write a piece for the Los Angeles Times he entitled, Your House is on Fire, Your Old Life is Gone. In a few minutes, Stefan will share his words with our listeners, with me, and with our other in-studio guest today, Sharon Hamilton. Sharon's award-winning romance novels may feature finely chiseled Navy SEALs, But almost a decade ago, she lost her beautifully landscaped Bennett Valley home to a fire, and her life was forever changed. Sharon recently wrote about this on a blog entry she calls Rising from the Fire, and she will also share this piece on air. Before we begin, I want to caution some of our listeners. I assume that today's conversation will include discussions which may trigger emotional responses from those of you directly impacted by the fires, those of you who know someone who suffered great loss, and those of us who were safe throughout these devastating times but may be fearful of all those what-ifs. You know who you are, and my advice to you is to turn off your radio. You can always listen to the NPR podcast of today's show at some future time. After all that build-up, I would like to welcome Stephen Kaisby and Sharon Hamilton back to Word by Word. Thanks for having me. Stefan, I'd like to start with you. The piece you wrote for the L.A. Times needs a little explanation, and I have prepared a printout for you where I've inserted chances to pause briefly and have a conversation about what you just said. This is an unusual thing for a host to do, so I need to make sure that the format is okay with you 
and with Sharon as well, since I have done the same thing with her piece. Absolutely. Sure. Okay, Stefan, now it's up to you. Okay. <laughs> Even when I left my house at 2.30 in the morning, and my wife Sanas and I were afraid that the fire behind us would catch our car, which was still stuck on Hemlock Street in the anxious gridlock of other evacuees, I couldn't escape the irony. The reason why we moved to the North Bay in 2015 was my job teaching fiction in Sonoma State University's English department. And the book that was largely responsible for the job and our new home was the Gothic novel Your House is on Fire, Your Children All Gone. Writing and moving have been intertwined for many years. And so the story of this fire starts with Kurt. Kurt is a German shepherd and bloodhound mix. He barks at garbage trucks and breathes so noisily that our neighbors always knew who was coming down Hemlock Street long before they could see us. In 2012, Kurt appeared in our yard in Portales, New Mexico, where he taught before moving to Santa Rosa. He wasn't house trained. He wasn't car trained. He couldn't settle down. Even now, Kurt is never calm. He's in your face. He won't let you escape. This past Sunday night, we did not receive a phone alert. No sirens blared in Santa Rosa. Kurt woke us up at 1.30 a.m. He banged against our bedroom door. He does that when he hears fireworks or a thunderstorm approaching. I finally got up, and while I was walking through our dark house, a small wooden ranch in the Coffee Park neighborhood, I smelled smoke. I checked all the rooms. I opened the outside door. Something that sounded like faraway thunder became audible, and I thought I saw lightning beyond Hopper Avenue. Smoke was filling the air like fog. It was a windy night. Before I opened my laptop to see what was going on, I thought of North Korea. Okay, we're pausing there now. When I read that line, I thought of North Korea. I realized that in the context of where we live and how we live today and what the headlines are every day, that uh, the immediacy isn't what struck you. It was the potential for something even much bigger than this fire. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was surreal because I noticed in that moment, I mean, I had just switched on the light and... And, and my wife was waking up and, and coming into the living room that if you don't listen to the radio at that particular moment and you're not online or whatever, you have no idea what's actually coming, what's right, happening. Right. Something is off. Something is really weird outside. But the street was calm. I mean, people didn't gather outside yet. There was nobody there. And so you know something is going on, but at the same time, you have no idea what. And so you have to... You have to switch on your computer. We don't have television, and and see actually and, and search Santa Rosa. What's going on? And, <laughs> and, and, and I don't know if Google would, would could handle yeah, no, that. Yeah, no, right? it, it, it it was weird, and and also the the posts I think were very delayed, coming in very delayed. By the time we mm-hmm. thought the fire was still on the east side of the 101, mm-hmm. it was already mm-hmm. over and and heading towards Coffee Park. So we were thinking, oh well. We're here, but, well, there's the 101. It won't jump, 
but it had already jumped at yeah, that for, time. For listeners who aren't local, 101 is the uh, state highway that runs straight through Santa Rosa. And it's six lanes wide there, or seven yeah. lanes wide there. Yeah. And so the, everybody yeah. assumed that the fire would stop, but mm-hmm. it jumped up high in the wind. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the embers were flying like crazy. It's like fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sharon, how did you, did, when, where were you and what happened when your fire hit? We were um, downstairs, and uh, I had uh, been upstairs. I was going to write in my journal, and I turned on the little light by my favorite leather chair and uh, went downstairs to finish some dinner and clean up a little bit before I retired. And um, uh, we heard the smoke alarm go off upstairs, and uh, we thought it was a malfunction Mm -hmm. because we didn't smell smoke or anything. So um, ran upstairs to the bedroom to check it out, and uh, the chair that I was going to sit in had this uh, circle of fire, right? It was like the hand of God in a way. I mean, just uh, right there. And then within seconds, it had ignited the drapes and then started throughout the room. And before we could run back up with buckets of water, um, it was like four feet of rolling smoke coming for us, and we knew we had to get out. Wow. Basically, it was fully engulfed in 12 minutes. 12 minutes. Yeah, no time. Just like you said, no time. Okay. Stefan, shall we continue with your piece? Mm -hmm. At about 2.15, Sana said, we should pack a bag. She was scheduled to fly to San Diego in the morning to work at a conference she had organized. I took a duffel from the garage, but I couldn't make sense of the situation. I looked for my passport and grabbed our three iPads. That was it. I never thought of saving my filled notebooks, my glasses. Mm. This inability to focus strikes me as a moral failing of sorts. In other moments, I believe I understood that saving a favorite jacket or painting wouldn't help. It wasn't about two or three precious items. What tied us to our life on Hemlock Street was the web of routines we had established with the help of small and big items. And yet, lost items become phantom limbs. I still want to reach for the signed copy of the Tattoo Hunter that lay on my nightstand. I still want to go into the garage to open the first of two cans of green paint I had just bought the day before to start work on our siding. We talked off air before we began today, and you were you were mentioning how um, almost on an hourly basis you would get something, you'd remember something, know where it is exactly in the old house, and could go and retrieve it if the house were still there. Yeah, I think the whole thought process, I mean, it, even though, well, what I heard most sort of in the first days is, we're glad you're safe, and the other things can be replaced. And to a large degree, that's true, of course. But some things cannot really be replaced. Um, Not because the items in and of themselves are so precious or valuable or or anything, but because you, you knew where they came from, you knew where you had bought them or who had given it to you. And the tattoo hunter was given to me by Juvenal Acosta, who I just a month before met and who has quickly become a really good friend. And and just this thing that lay on my nightstand, I knew it was there, and every night I would read a little before going to bed. And uh, 
you get so much pleasure out of that. And it's not something that you can just replace by buying a new copy of that. Um, other things that you know exactly where they are and, and your body really remembers where they are and you want to <laughs> you want to do the gesture of mm-hmm. reaching for it and you know exactly how it will feel and and then you notice oh no wait I can't go into that room that room is no longer there I can't go into the garage I can't go into the living room and and then it hurts again yeah yeah, yeah. Sharon you have similar feelings oh, it, yes I, my uh, great great grandmother came over to the United States when she was 14 as a nanny for a couple in Chicago and brought this box that her father had handmade for her knowing that he'd probably never see her again and uh, that box had all my family, uh, my other great-grandmother's doll with her own hair sewn into the, mm. the head and, you know, toys that my mother and grandmother played with that I was saving for, you know, the kids and grandkids. And they are not replaceable. And, mm. um, and the box was, uh, you know, it's just a crude wooden box with some canvas on the outside and painted. But it was something... My husband used to say, don't you want to just kind of get rid of that old thing? And, you know, but it was very dear to me. Um, And the fire is so violent that to know that those beautiful things uh, came to such a violent end really does pain you. Mm -hmm. It really does. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, it's not about the material value, but it's about the love. Yes, that these items represented and tied you sort of to your, yes. to your world, to people, to your communities. They're they're part of who you are. They have yeah. become part of who you are. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Stefan, back to mm-hmm. you. Every morning, Sanas and I made coffee and sat either in the kitchen or outside on the patio. That usually took half an hour, sometimes longer. It was my favorite part of our day. I was extinguishing burning weeds in my neighbor's front yard when we got the evacuation order from a police car driving up Hemlock. Ten minutes later, we left. Before the end of the night, a friend texted me and invited us to her house. She and her husband gave us a room, and all morning we searched for updates about our neighborhood. Around noon, we looked at photos the local paper had posted online. The very first one showed a street with burnt-out cars on either side. It was a beautiful picture, nearly black and white because of the devastation. The fire had moved through and left behind a flat landscape. Gone were the fences, the bushes and hedges. Gone were the wooden houses. Then I discovered that it was Patrick's burned work truck, standing in the driveway to the left, and it was Marty's truck he had inherited from his father on the right. The mangled car and boat in the middle of the street belonged to my next-door neighbor. The photographer had been standing in front of our house to take this shot. A second picture followed a bit later. The photographer had turned 90 degrees, was now facing east. There was the charred weeping willow that belonged to our neighbor, but extended generously into our yard. In the far back stood a redwood, only the upper branches intact. And there was our apple tree, whose fruit Kurt had eaten all summer long. The photographer had been standing in our driveway. 
he shouldn't have been able to see the apple tree. Well, we learn about what happened, you know, to the houses as people just like this or, or someone would, you know, text them or call them or say, well, I've, lo I've been by and it's, it's all gone. It's all gone. Yeah, we read. I mean, there were there were posted messages all morning. Coffee Park is gone. But we, we, we always held out hope sort of against, right. against better knowledge that, okay, maybe that bend of the street was still there because the, the messages were often very, very broad. No, mm -hmm. Streets weren't mentioned. And so we thought, hey, maybe like whatever, <coughs> two or three houses are standing or any of that. So, so we had really no idea. When, when I left, I really didn't think we wouldn't be coming back. Or it, it was, we were thinking, okay, we, we drive to the university campus because I knew I could go into my office. And we will be there for a few hours, and then we'll come back. And um, so when we saw that, it was just like, okay, that's that's it. And still, um, that Monday night, um, we did go back because police at that time wasn't organized yet well enough to actually block it out, mm -hmm. block it, uh, mm -hmm. like, to traffic and... Um, and so still when we were driving up and the smoke was getting thicker and it was, it was really hard to breathe and all that, uh, we were thinking, well, maybe maybe we misinterpreted the photos. Maybe, yeah. maybe we did some mistake and, mm -hmm. and, of course, like we didn't. So, yeah. Right. Your home, Sharon, now was mm -hmm. what people usually think is a structural fire, you know, a single mm -hmm. house. Yes. Did you stand there and watch as it burned? Yes. <laughs> I was in... <clears throat> the only piece of clothing uh, I wound up having, which is my white satin nightgown. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> I was sitting on the <clears throat> steps in the garden uh, a good distance away right. and just watching it burn, you know. And, um, you know, we had to stay away, of course, from – there were five fire trucks and, mm -hmm. you know, they worked very hard. But uh, like I said, it was uh, it was a lost cause. <laughs> right. Um, and um, – uh, you know, my husband was sitting next to me, and um, he had the foresight. I don't know where this comes from, he, to pull a box of cigars he had in the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> and take that out? I, and he took that out. Oh, my. And, you know, it was surreal for me because here I am watching my house burning and my husband smoking a cigar. And, um, you know, it's not like we intended for it to happen or anything, but it, he – he took that point to to uh, just sit there and reflect. We said nothing to each other. Mm. I mean, nothing. We had the dogs. We were safe. Right. But I had nothing. I was going to have nothing. And I was getting adjusted to the idea that all of a sudden my life was going to change forever. Right. You write about that. We'll yes. hear that a little later. Yeah. Other thoughts, Stefan, before you start again? Um. I don't know. It's it's. Um, Would you have grabbed a box of cigars if you could go back? <laughs> yeah, um, probably not. But, but but the thing the thing was really and and that does strike me still as as the weirdest part that um, 
I look at this bag and and I was just like, what am I even going to take? And if mm-hmm. my wife hadn't said grab the passport, I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have right, that right. either. Yeah. Because it didn't it didn't seem to make any sense to just pick and choose something because whatever it was going to be, it, it's it's not what you really want in the end. Or um, I've still like just the clothes that I wore and I really don't like wearing it right now at all you know like uh, that one outfit that mm-hmm. I escaped with I, I can't really touch it it's just like I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with it mm-hmm. and so I don't know it's it's you, you, you can't it's not about it's not about the things it's it's not about anything in particular it's really about this was where you felt safe this was where you had the illusion of being mm-hmm. safe. Here in mm-hmm. California, you know, there could always be the big earthquake. So I was prepared for the big earthquake, but I mean prepared as you can be prepared mentally. Got bottles prepared. of water somewhere, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, 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 but not for a wildfire. And it's just the absence of meaning, which is really the worst for me, that everything that you had laid out every the, the the tiny routines you had established the ways in which you went about your life that 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 is completely gone and everything that had meaning to you that that wasn't just an item just a coffee cup just mm-hmm. a set of dinnerware or whatever that 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 is gone so 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 right now i'm 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 feeling very disconnected to the world because the best thing is actually that I asked some people, like, send me some silly T-shirts, you know, because <laughs> all my clothes burn. And I don't want just to have, like, go to, to Target, Target, to Target. And, and that, that's the fancy French boutique. Yeah, yeah. We, we and, use that term, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and buy sort of 10 mm. of those, you know, because, because it feels so horrible because I knew where every single of my T-shirts came from. And so they did, and, and that's really lovely, you know, mm-hmm. to, to know, okay, this person sent me that one, that person sent <laughs> me that one, and, and I wear them now, and it's, it, I, I, I love that about that because mm-hmm. it's infusing meaning again into my opening the closet and grabbing something. Right. You've been re-gifted yeah. things yeah. To, yeah. to cherish again. Well, it's yeah. interesting, the next paragraph you're going to read tells us a bit about your mindset, though, which is in quite in contrast to this... Uh, yeah. Positive future look. <laughs> yeah. I'm a pessimist, and I don't believe that humanity will find a way to save our planet. Conversations with me can turn painfully depressing. But what happened after I posted the photograph of our non-existing house on Facebook has me crying at times. We've been receiving invitations from around the country. People have offered rooms and are sending food and toys for our dogs. They are sending clothes. Friends from Portales set up a GoFundMe account, and the response has been stunning. The association whose conference Sanas had planned and organized all summer dedicated the event to her. And board members at attendees have donated money to help. People have called and emailed all week to make sure we are out of harm's way. People are the best. People are the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're, most of them are still here. Hmm? Most of them are still here. Yeah. And I don't know. It's, 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 it's really, I mean, 
when you look at what's happening around the world, um, I, I really don't have much hope for for humankind in the long run. Mm. Um, and so sometimes uh, I talk to my class and then I notice that everybody is going really super silent. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, <laughs> I'm depressing you again. And so, so I, I, I really don't see how, how with all the differences, with all our lack of understanding and, and lack of action towards certain issues like the environment, that there is much hope. But, but on, a, on, a, on a really very personal level, um, I don't know. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was super embarrassing and... and, and and lovely and and just just beautiful um, sort of that that people constantly hey are you okay we're sending something like let me know what your new address is you know I have some things and um, it, I, I don't know I, I I never knew I knew so many people and and it was it was really fantastic mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Sharon, um, did you have uh, similar reactions from your friends and um, Well, yes. My uh, daughter came over because this occurred uh, by the time the fire was being worked on and, and um, more or less uh, out. Uh, it was almost midnight. My daughter right. came over and she, she figured that I wouldn't have any clothes <laughs> and <clears throat> brought me um, – she said the only thing that had been open, it, I guess – 10 30 or 11 o'clock at night was a, a Target or a Walmart <laughs> or something and uh, so she brought me uh, some red um, sweatpants which I would have never bought because they're <laughs> and a Chicago Bulls uh, sweatshirt um, but that was all they had right. you know t that she could pick up just so I had something to change into and um, I, I was grateful for that and then, you know the Red Cross actually showed up right away and brought a couple blankets mm. and I um I loved how warm they felt. <laughs> it was just very – they weren't expensive blankets or anything, but it was just nice that somebody took the time to put something around my shoulders and just actually show that they cared. Mm -hmm. um, and the uh, firemen were wonderful too. They, um, He came – one of the fellows came up and asked me where I had anything valuable in the house that he could go look for. And uh, I had, of course, a jewelry box and a few things. And, you know, then he came back later and said, well, I, I, you know, I can't tell. Right. I can't tell what's there. So I'm sorry. But I tried. And just the fact that he tried. Mm -hmm. You know, he had the luxury of that in your situation with your whole neighborhood. Of course, that wasn't possible. But at least that somebody cared. Actually, Stefan does uh, return to the house, which is the next paragraph. Mm -hmm. Yes. On Monday night, we drove the 20 miles to northern Santa Rosa. The city had asked everyone to stay away, but how can you? Once we turned into the coffee park area, we drove along the roads we had run with our dogs every morning, and we didn't recognize a thing. We knew, and yet nothing matched up. Small fires were still burning. Smoke was still rising from some structures. Only the chimneys of the houses with fireplaces still stood like monuments in a cemetery. At first it was difficult to make out our plot of land, even though we were standing right in front of it. Everything was flat, borderless, of the same palette of gray and black. 
Even our gravel backyard looked black. The fire had been fanatically thorough. What we found was our first dog's old food dish. Hmm. We'd kept it as a souvenir on the kitchen wall. I picked it from the ashes, blackened and rough to the touch, and put it in the trunk of our car. Is that a talisman of import now? Yeah, it's... um, we had our, our our dog for 11 years, and he just died in March. <clears throat> and he was 15 when he died. And I know that's, that's, that sounds really like the crazy dog person now, but uh, <laughs> the dog was not just a dog. And it's, and it's really hard to explain. And for non-dog lovers, they will probably shake their heads now and, <laughs> and go, okay, like, you lost us. But... But there was something really weird about him, and 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 he was our—I mean, he was the patriarch of the house, <laughs> you know, completely. Um, everybody like did everything to please him, and he was really the 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 kindest soul. In in old age, he got a little bit grouchy and and cranky, but um, he was. I don't know. Pe- pe- people people stopped on the street to to really talk to the dog. Um, we had once this encounter in Venice, in Los Angeles. Um, we were walking at night, and Duncan never growled, never did anything to anyone. I mean, we had never. There was never any incident. Whenever a dog sort of came up to him, he sort of deferred to them. Anyway, we were walking, looking at the Christmas lights there at night, and this other couple comes towards us, and he suddenly puts up his mohawk, like bares his teeth, and Mm. starts growling. Mm. That was the first time he ever done that. And what the woman said, that was the first words out of her mouth, was, I am not possessed. Oh my gosh! <laughs> After that, I left all sort of the critical decisions to Duncan. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. Wow. So, so uh, he, he was really the heart and soul of things, and so finding finding his dish and it was still intact. And uh, I don't know, it, it meant the world to me, really. Right. <laughs> you are listening to a unique word by word conversations with writers show on North Bay Public Media KRCB FM. In the aftermath of the Sonoma and Napa County wildfires that scorched 111,000 acres and destroyed nearly 6,000 homes, we were having a conversation with two people who lost their homes to fires. Award-winning novelist and SSU fiction writing professor Stephen Kaisby, who recently lost his Coffee Park home, and best-selling Navy SEAL romance novelist Sharon Hamilton, whose life changed forever when fire destroyed her home about a decade ago. Shall we go on about writing and moving? Sure. Writing and moving have been intertwined for a long time. One night, shortly after moving into the house on Hemlock, we came home from the grocery store, opened the garage door, but felt too exhausted to get out. We kept sitting in the driveway. We stared at the moving boxes piling up in front of us. Sana said, How about we leave the garage door open? People will come and take the boxes away. I turned her remark into a story based on Jack London's To Build a Fire. A couple not unlike ourselves leave the garage door open. Things start to disappear and their lives slowly dissolve. 
In the end, the man returns from work to find that his house wasn't burning anymore. The fire trucks had gone leaving behind, had gone, leaving behind a gray and black sludge. White wisps of smoke ascended unhurriedly from a few places. He rested against the fence, the ruined house in his sight. It was of no importance where they went. They just needed to go. We had coffee this morning together with our friends Kathy and Jörn. Kurt was standing by the window, barking at the trucks. The fires keep spreading, but it was garbage day in Petaluma. It was garbage day in Petaluma. The world keeps rolling on. Yes, 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 it does. And um, without Kathy and, and Jörn, I mean, we would have been entirely lost. And and that's one experience, I think, from the whole thing. The, the, the people who call you and say, do this, or here's this package with mm-hmm. things... Um, it, it's it's the best of help. I mean, that Monday morning, I mean, we were completely afloat. We had no idea. The hotels, we tried to get into some of them, were already booked solid. And and just this, this text and, and then the call just to say, hey, come have breakfast with us. Mm-hmm. Here's mm-hmm. a room to stay. It, 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 really, it really saved our life there. Um, mm-hmm. For a week, we had some some quiet a space to just sort of sit and stare into space and and try to regroup and find things out call the insurance and so Kathy and Jorn were really yeah in that situation our saviors there right right we had a couple who stayed with us who lost their fire and they they referred to my wife as the rock mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they kept everything yeah. Uh, yeah. centered well, Sharon, shall we go to your piece, sure. which you wrote for your blog? And I'm one, I want to ask you, Rising from the Fire is the title. What, um, obviously the fires prompted this. Yes. But yes. Uh, is it something you'd wanted to share for a long time? Well, um, you know, the, I think seeing the pictures on TV mm-hmm. and uh, listening to reports and things um, just brought back that day uh, when we lost our our house. And I remembered how reeling, confused, devastated, lost, untethered I felt. Untethered. For so long because you're connected to your stuff, you know, really I am and most people are and our things sort of define us. And so all of a sudden you're this person without your things. And um, so it just, it, it kind of brought back those feelings of um, what it was like and then what had happened in the almost 10 years since. Mm-hmm. And um, now, I don't think I could have then, I don't think I could have for several years afterwards have counted it as a blessing, but after the fact, looking back after almost 10 years, it it truly was in a way, you know, not exactly like I said in the piece, not exactly the way I planned it, but it turned out. Okay. And can life you, goes on. Can you share that with us? <laughs> sure. Uh, many of you familiar with my history and my work know that in 2008 our house burned down. I had 
up until that time maintain a busy and successful real estate career. It was a challenge in a falling market, working with two other family members and a team of assistants. But it was a well-oiled machine that left us in the top 10 of just about every category in Northern California. I was proud of it. But when our fire occurred, it gave me the opportunity to do something else. Insurance gave us some living arrangements, a small one-bedroom apartment, which I mainly stayed in by myself. Our property and house were an all-consuming job for my husband. Plus, we had about 50 chickens, our Dobermans, and visits by people who thought it was a good idea to help themselves to some of our things. He was doing battle with the insurance company, contractors, and cleanup crew. All my clothes were either burned or affected by smoke. I had a couple of choices. I could go replace everything, pretend nothing had happened, and just resume my former business, or I could take a little time to sort out what exactly I wanted to do. We had to decide whether or not to rebuild the house, where we would live, what things we would throw away, and what things we'd save for later sorting. My head was spinning. Your head was spinning. Yeah. When I read about uh, the people who were coming to your house and with the pickup trucks or whatever to load up with whatever they could grab. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That that was very unexpected, (laughs) I have to say. Very unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes they'd come by with a car. Oh, we even had a painter who said, oh, and by the way, when you get your house, I mean, he had some of our stuff in the back of his truck. And he even handed my husband the card and said, you know, when you get your house built, I'm a pretty good painter. (laughs) 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 I just, you know, people don't think. I mean, I just, you know, it's just. But you're so raw anyway that it's like, oh, okay, what else is going to happen to me? (laughs) So the opportunists arrive in Coffee Park as well. They did. Uh, It seems that way Um, in my place. uh, Not that there was really anything, (laughs) but but uh, on my first visit back, I saw this little tin box and and Mm -hmm. couldn't get to it at that point because it was still smoking around there. But it it was still there that next time. I I mean, once the police and and National Guard locked it down, I think it was pretty well contained. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I don't know what the, what really the, the impulse is like to to go and look through it, and it might be something like treasure hunting, you know, like this this mm. this odd thing. I don't think, in and of itself, that that people are trying to be malicious, uh, but but it's this. I don't know. I I really don't know exactly what the impulse is here in Coffee Park. I don't. I, I strongly felt I wanted to be the first to say, all right, there's nothing here. Mm-hmm. Right? And and I would have hated sort of to lose out on on something that might have been there and mm-hmm. somebody else took. But at the same time, after we went back, we were also very well aware that, that there, were, there wasn't really anything. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the second time, two weeks later, that we went with our insurance adjuster there to, to look at things, it... There, I really could say, all right, now I'm not going to go back. You know, I'm not going to mm-hmm. sift through the ashes to maybe find one tiny thing or, or so because, A, it's a health hazard. And, and, and it really, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody helped themselves to whatever it was that might have been there, um, I, I'm totally okay with that. Uh, but 
Yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a strange thing, and uh, people shouldn't do it. But but on mm-hmm. the other hand, I, I'm really baffled more than angry. <laughs> at, you know, mm-hmm. like this 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 thing of yeah, I don't know, getting something out of out of the the fires. Out yeah, of the from ashes. someone who has been it, hurt. It, I yeah. think it must be something like a treasure hunting yeah. tre- treasure hunt impulse. You know, oh wow, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. It's like free fi- stuff, even yeah, if we don't stuff. need it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even uh, though it's contaminated yes. with weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah I found a, a, in that uh, place where I had a jewelry box, and, and uh, I found a whole bunch of one earring uh, crusty and, and black and the other one with everything uh, bursted, you know. Yeah. And, and so I have this little box still of these little gems that are um, – you know, they're just little gems, like pieces that would wash up on a beach or something, little pieces of silver, things that melted together. And it's just, I don't know, it, for me, it's something that survived. Mm-hmm. And that's why the box is there. And then I had a dear friend, um, <clears throat> the broker, actually, we were working for at the time. And he sent me a little uh, brown box and... Uh, he said, my wife and I were walking through this antique um, place and we um, had learned about your fire and we know you lost your great-great-grandmother's box. We hope that this box will not take its place, but will have this orphan box in an antique store that you will love it and care for it. And that was just a wonderful gesture, you know. So my little pieces are in that box. You're back to the kindness of people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, should we go on? Because you were alone in the apartment. Yes. Um, because I was alone in the apartment next door to our office building, I solved my lack of sleeping problem, too much to think about, with some late-night movies and some reading. I did more reading than I'd previously done in years. I discovered Outlander, and it got me hooked into good old-fashioned storytelling. I even began an email dialogue with Diana Gabaldon at one point. Although very stressful, the fire actually became the catalyst for my writing career. I think opportunity comes from stresses that seem at the time to be overwhelming, just like diamonds created by millions of years of pressure and heat from earth masses. The creative side of me, one that hadn't been tested or expressed, began oozing out, and I spent more time in my fantasy world than I did on reality. I did it first out of self-preservation, and then I began to do it because I felt it was my calling. I wish I could say the process was clear, direct, and in a straight line to success, just like everything worthwhile in life. There are ups and downs. But looking back, if I had to do it all over again— sacrifice some of my very precious things for a chance adventure into a new realm or to wake up my fantasy world, I'd do it all over again. I really would. Like the phoenix, I emerged from the fire a completely different human being. I think about this these days as I drive past burned-out homes and consider all the decisions and issues affecting people's lives who have survived our horrible wildfire. So for you, writing was a new career. It a was. New, a new direction. Yes. Yeah. No numbers, real estate, sales, <laughs> you know, <laughs> plaques on the wall. They were all gone. Suits, you know, yeah. all gone. And it, it just didn't seem right to just jump back in and do that again. 
<laughs> but for Stefan, this writing has been you for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, and 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 I, and I think what 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 Sharon says is 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 true that you don't want to go back to exactly how it was. Um, and even though I don't think I will change my career because of that, um, I, I feel very, very strongly right now that I don't want to exactly go back to how things were set up. Sometimes my wife and I felt like we, we have this house, we have the washer and dryer, we come home, we both work full time. We come home, we do the laundry, mm-hmm. we do some other things, we do stuff mm-hmm. around the house, we weed, uh, all, all this stuff. and. And and sometimes it felt like we had set up this machine where mm-hmm. we are basically just the operators, but we don't have any say anymore in, <laughs> yeah. all, in all these things. You <laughs> exactly. know? So you want to be a homeowner, huh? Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. And and um, while we do want to have a backyard again because our dogs love them, and the house was basically for the dogs anyway, <laughs> um, it's um, sort of. It, it exposes a moment like this. It exposes the the craziness of the day to day. Of mm-hmm. like you heap work on top of more work and mm-hmm. more work, um, and and often you don't stop to think of like, well, why am I doing this? And mm-hmm. is there some better way to do things? And and that's a thing that 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 I feel is it's kind of a little bit missing right now um, because people see it as a virtue to move on, mm-hmm. get it going again. And, and there's this push to just function again. And, and uh, I would really say, no, like, like let's wait. Uh, the university opened after a week and a half. And, and everybody seems very disturbed, even people who didn't lose their homes and, and, they're clearly disturbed. They know people, you know, mm-hmm. they have been helping out. They've been seeing things. They've, I mean, the smoke was everywhere. I mm-hmm. mean, all around the North Bay and in San Francisco and Oakland. And and so it's it's not yet really time to go just back to business as usual. Mm-hmm. This is not business as usual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think everybody should just, if it were up to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, why not? Yes. <laughs> like, take a month off, mm-hmm. you know, just exactly. just try to settle things. Because every day I get calls from planners, builders, yes. uh, like the, the blueprint offices, like like insurances. And, and I'm, I'm constantly trying to focus on something and then another call that I have to take because otherwise, like, I, I fall behind and all that. And and so I really, I really think everybody should just take time to to just reconsider and and what Sharon says is really beautiful that that no like um, you don't have to be stuck in anything and in mm-hmm. in a moment like that uh, is of course sort of the starkest of reminders that well if you want if you have to rebuild how how do you rebuild mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and where do you rebuild yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah well that too yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's another dark part right now, I feel, um, because people people have been helping one another, and, and, and there's there's so much beauty right now, but we are also still living in Sonoma County, and 
it's super expensive to live here. Yeah. And it's super expensive to rebuild or to buy a new house. And um, it's pretty crazy Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, to... You're reminded again how precarious life is here because you can't just readily afford it. You can't mm -hmm. just jump in and do something. Go cut Stu down a tree and build your own house. Right. Students, students who lost their apartments, they can't afford to, to just. I mean, the rents have gone up already, yeah. and, yeah. and yeah. Uh, they can't just go because a there aren't any apartments readily available, and then those that are are super expensive, and, and it really endangers their studies and it's that that that's a very negative and and, mm -hmm. and ugly part mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to yeah. push me pull you of let's get back to normal but we really aren't in normal no no not at all well and the whole community is suffering for that it's unlike ours it's just a one family event which of course affected you know my family but uh, this is a whole community, I mean, magnified many, many times. You think of all the decisions now that have to be made, the 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 um, ideas of where to go, what to do, how to pick their lives up. I mean, I wonder how many people are going to change their careers. You wouldn't, but, you know, or, or move out of the area or have an opportunity to go somewhere else uh, right. or do something. We don't want to lose wonderful people in Sonoma County, but I'm sure we will lose some of those people. They'll decide to go on another adventure. Right. Um, well, this is a perfect time for you to read the last two paragraphs. <laughs> Thank you. Um, remember my premise, circumstances don't make a person, they reveal a person. This path wasn't one I'd planned on following, but it's one I chose once I had the options. I guess that's why they say we have to understand the difference between what we can control and what we cannot and be good with it, focusing on what we can control. Notice I didn't say be happy, okay? That's not... <laughs> In a way, my house burning down was a blessing. I hope some of this will be the experience of some of some others this year. Terrible tragedy in most ways, but not always. There are some people who are going to be given choices they'd never really had before. And that's where the rising, the magic comes. I love that last paragraph. In fact, I'm going to have you read it at the end of the show again. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, this has been a truly a gift for you to talk and share with us and with our listeners today. I hope it's been helpful to you. Mm -hmm. and you. Thank you. And I think it's time, perhaps, for you to put on your writer's hat and mention some of your books, Stefan, first. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things we do on Word yeah. by Word. Yeah. Um, my most recent novel is Knives, Forks, Scissors, Flames. I can't get away from the fire, it seems. <laughs> um, but I also uh, edited a collection that is very very, very dear to me. Um, SSU has had a literary magazine for 20 years, Vault, and we created Gillian Connolly and I a book division, and the first book is a book of short stories that are based on classic tales. That's mm -hmm. where the Jack London story comes from. Mm -hmm. And um, that is called Cover Stories, and uh, is available online and at any outlet imaginable. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful collection with uh, nationally recognized uh, authors, and it's it's truly a, a 
a marvelous book. And I'm not saying this because I edited it, but just, be, <laughs> but just, just really be, because the writers are so wonderful and what they did to uh, stories from Lovecraft, Gogol, and others, it's, it's just marvelous. Mm-hmm. Sharon, your, your series. Um, I'm most uh, known for my SEAL Brotherhood series. Um, I had a son who was a Navy SEAL for 10 years, so I get a lot of my inspiration from that. Um, so it's a romance. So it's always a happily ever after, uh, boy meets girl, sparks, all that stuff. Um, it's uh, it's the SEAL Brotherhood. Then I have the Band of Bachelors then I have the bad boys of SEAL Team 3. And it's all fictional characters from uh, fictional SEAL Team 3 from San Diego. And um, uh, since there are about 200 men in a, in a normal SEAL team, uh, I have lots of characters I can use over the years. And they go and come and have children, get married and divorced, and have all their issues. So I have lots of, uh, lots of books I can write. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners, Sharon, first? Well, I think, um, you know, Stefan's uh, advice was very, I felt that, very heartfelt and I think very good. Just take some time and, um, and, and reflect on your choices and make, you know, look at all your choices, look at all your opportunities. Um, that's really what puts your life back together. It's not things as normal. It's things that are going to be different now. And there are things that will happen now that wouldn't have happened before if the fire hadn't occurred. So not everything will be positive, of course, but uh, in my world, since I always believe in a happily ever after, uh, you know, they say it's not done if it's not... uh, if, if things haven't worked out, if there's no HEA, then it's still a project. So I just say keep, uh, keep trying until, uh, until it gets there, and right. that's all we can do. But great advice, Stefan. Um, I just want to say thank you to, to you, to Sharon, mm-hmm. and, and, and especially to all the people at school, faculty, students, mm-hmm. friends around the country, um, it's, I, I think, in, in in some ways, losing your house by yourself is 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 kind of harder, um, because, like, by noon of that day, everybody knew, like mm-hmm. like like about it because the the fires here, like like national news mm-hmm. and all that, and and so um, no, I really want to thank everyone because um, without the support we got, we would have been completely lost and and. I'm I'm just so happy that everybody is there, and I'm I'm really like I'm just super happy that people had our backs. Hmm. It's nice to be able to experience that, you know, have that that deep um, gratitude for the, those that are really important to you. That you know, sometimes we take for granted in our daily life. We have the routine, you know, our family machines are operating, <laughs> and we're not thinking about those things. On our March 11, 2018 Word by Word broadcast, author Rebecca Rosenberg talked about the affinity she had with Jack and Charmian London, the famous literary couple featured in her new historical novel, The Secret Life of Mrs. London. 
Okay, it's been a very crazy time because in September we sold our 20-year-old business called Sonoma Lavender, which is a national lavender manufacturing business located here in Santa Rosa, California. And then one month later, the entire lavender farm and our barn and our house was destroyed along with 6,000 other homes here in Northern California. So very crazy, traumatic time for everybody here. So, and ironically, uh, Jack London's dream home was destroyed back then, way back then in uh, 1913. And I thought at the time when I was writing the novel, I said, that's impossible. How could his stone home it was a giant 20,000-square-foot home, be destroyed by spontaneous combustion. And so in the novel, I, I allude to that, that it's pretty hard to believe that that could happen. And then what happens? It happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and we were the first, one of the first homes down, and our house was brick and stone and tile, not wood. So it can happen. And to bring you up to date on Stefan and Sanaz Kaisby, we turned to their Facebook pages where they posted the following comments and photos. October 9th, 2017. No house left, but Sanaz and I and the dogs are safe. October 9th, 2017. We went back to see what was left, though we knew from the photo online we found Duncan's food dish. Cars had exploded all around, and only the chimneys of the houses still stand. Everything else is gone. You can't detect the neighborhood anymore. And then to continue, we'll jump forward to July 30th. Permit issued, construction pending. August 17th, the concrete being poured. August 31st, the walls framed in. Coffee Park strong. And then I want to read from you something that Stefan wrote on October 22nd. Hi, everyone. This is Stefan and Sanaz. We would very much love to send you individual thank you notes to each and every one. But dealing with the craziness of insurance industries, FEMA, state, and county cleanup paperwork, and simply getting back to normal life, we realize that it may take too long to get all those thank you notes. But we feel strongly we need to express our gratitude in an immediate way. So here we go. As cliche as it sounds, there really are not adequate words to convey how incredibly appreciative and in awe we are of all the kindness and generosity of each of you. We receive gift cards, clothing, furniture, dinner invitation, hugs, food, appliances, dog treats, and dog beds, tools, and coffee. We feel humbled, loved, awestruck, amazed, grateful. What you've done is life-changing. From the deepest, most bottom of our hearts, thank you for this remarkable gift. We love you. You have been listening to a unique word-by-word conversations with writers show on Northern California Public Media, KRCB-FM. Our studio engineer for today's show is Anthony Garcia. Station manager is Sean Knight. Radio coordinator is Wendy Nicholson. Our podcast archivist is Mark Prell. Theme music is by Bill Conti, and I'm your host, Gil Manser. We invite you to tune in to the next word-by-word broadcast from 4 to 5 on Sunday afternoon, November 11th, when our show will be a lively chat with Toto and Peggy Albano and Anna Albano Byerly with Mary's Italian Family Cookbook, original recipes from Mary Fazio, the founder of Mary's Pizza Shack. Until then, have a great time.